Gabrielle Rosenfeld is ready to make music. He isn't a pro and he can't read sheet music, but the 19-year-old from England taught himself to play piano. One song he loves to play, Clocks by Coldplay. It originally came out in 2002, the same year Gavriel was born, and its lyrics are full of urgency, with phrases like closing walls, ticking clocks, and cursed missed opportunities. There are themes Gavriel wrestles with every day of his life. From a very young age, music has been my way of just, you know, expressing myself. Um, <laughs> if I've had a bad day, I'll sometimes bang the piano more aggressively than others just to let out a bit of frustration. It's really a release for me. It's not enough of a release, believe it or not. I need to go for a run. I've been needing to do that for ages. But unfortunately, I just can't really be bothered to get around to it. The reality is, Gavriel can't run. Not anymore. He's got Duchenne muscular dystrophy a rare, life-threatening disease that's steadily weakening the muscles in his body. So when he passionately plays songs on the piano, he does so from a wheelchair. Duchenne, as Gavriel calls it, currently has no cure. The disorder's genetic mutation is linked to the X chromosome, so it mostly happens in boys. Gavriel was only four years old when he was diagnosed with Duchenne. Nothing dramatic changed overnight, but as Gavriel grew, he noticed his friends started running a little faster than him. You know, I didn't really understand. I just thought, I don't know, maybe just slightly slower physically, that's it. Leg cramps kicked in. They were pretty bad as a kid. I, I mean, I was crying. My parents used to, have, to give me ibuprofen or neurofen, and, you know, just lie with me. You know, mommy's here, daddy's here, just to make sure that, you know, I was reassured um, at that stage. Then, Gavriel couldn't walk anymore. He wasn't even a teenager. I haven't stepped foot on this earth in seven years. Now, Gavriel's arms are getting weaker, and both his heart and breathing muscles are also at risk. Anything from bathing to dressing, you know, you name it, it, it affects me. I mean, I'm being told I'll probably never walk again, and that's a scary thought. It's not just for now, it's for, you know, please God, in the future, I want to raise a family. You know, physically, things matter. You know, people said to me, take it one day at a time. I don't, have I don't have time to do that. The clock is ticking. But Gavriel has the rare chance to help scientists slow down or even reverse the disease in other boys with Duchenne. The first step, sending a small sample of his skin cells thousands of kilometers away to SickKids. You're listening to SickKids Versus, where we take you to the front lines in the fight for child health. I'm Hannah Bank, and this is SickKids Versus Duchenne. When you first meet Dr. Ronald Cohn, it's easy to feel intimidated by the sheer volume and weight of his titles. Pediatrician, geneticist, researcher, president and CEO of SickKids. Honestly though, he just prefers Ronnie. That's what Gavriel calls him too. It's essential for my own mental health and has proven to be incredibly helpful even for my current position to have really the privilege to experience what the front line looks like when it comes to clinical service, what the issues are when it comes to research. So I actually think it's a, a huge advantage for me in my current role to still be able to be connected to clinical care and research. Ronnie learned the importance of keeping close ties to patients during summer vacations as a kid. 
So I got into medicine through my grandfather, who was a family medicine practitioner of the sort of type that doesn't really exist anymore these days, because he practiced in an office that probably looked more like a living room than uh, like a real physician's office. And I just loved sitting there for hours and hours at a time and watching how he would treat and interact with his patients. As Ronnie grew, so did his curiosity about medicine, genetics, and research on a particular protein called dystrophin. It's the same protein that causes all sorts of problems for Gavriel and other boys with Duchenne. And what happens as a result of the loss of dystrophin in muscle is that these muscle fibers become somewhat fragile and go through cycles of being destroyed and then repairing themselves. You replace the newly formed muscle fibers that initially are being repaired with fat or scar tissue. And the more of that fat and scar tissue you produce, the bigger the impact on the actual muscle strength of the boys. Depending on what kind of standard of care access you have with physical therapy and access to prednisone, which is currently the only drug that somewhat stabilizes the disease, they lose ambulation and become wheelchair-bound at the age of 12 to 14. When Ronnie graduated medical school in 1996, most men with Duchenne died before they turned 20. The trajectory has now changed to a life-threatening disease. So these boys do get now much older. We have even a few adults, young men up to the age of 40 or so, with all the respiratory support, cardiac support. But the ability... Uh, in terms of what they are able to do because of this profound muscle weakness is usually quite limited. Through the ups and downs of his relationships with patients and their parents, Ronnie has developed a deeper appreciation for the power of diagnosis, even when there's no cure for certain genetic diseases. And to tell you the truth, it has been probably the single most so far humbling experience in my own professional life that I probably underestimated the power of having an answer for many years of my career when we didn't have the technology at our hand. So I often told my families, let's take away that pressure to find a label because there are lots of things can and need to be taken care of independent of a diagnosis. But then when technology arrived through genome sequencing and we were able to start providing diagnoses, sometimes in for families who have been searching for an answer for years, I realized what an unbelievable relief it is if you don't necessarily have a treatment. You might already be familiar with genome sequencing. It's a process where a sample of DNA gets taken from your blood and examined for mutations that could lead to a disease like Duchenne. There's even more promising technology called CRISPR with the power to physically edit genes. But when studies about CRISPR first start coming out, Ronnie doesn't pay much attention to them. It was such a different language and I never found the time to read it because I didn't understand it. The only scientists who really knew deeply about CRISPR were microbiologists, but really nobody else knew about it. Less than a decade ago, an article about revolutionizing the treatment of genetic disorders gets published in a UK newspaper. Ronnie's inbox gets flooded about the story. Within 24 hours, 
I had like 40 emails from parents asking me, do you think they can help my child with this mutation or that mutation? So I finally read it, was mesmerized, and, and still today, many years later, I'm still mesmerized by even the idea that we can think about fixing a genetic mutation. CRISPR might sound like the brand name for a salad spinner, but Ronnie says to think of it as tiny scissors that could reach nearly any region within the human body. Those scissors can clip out faulty or mutated portions of genes before they get corrected. And I remember going to my director of my laboratory, asking him, what do you think about this? Let me know. And if you believe that this is as exciting as I think it is, Let's scrap everything we are doing in our laboratory and start doing research just on this. As soon as Ronnie introduces CRISPR to his team, everyone gets excited about the technology's potential to treat genetic diseases like Duchenne. Everybody in my laboratory was willing to almost put behind what they were working on. It's very appealing because if we can correct cause of the disease at its root level, and the root is DNA, it can be potentially a curative therapy. That's Dr. Zhenya Evakin, a scientist who was Ronnie's lab director at the time. So in this case, we don't have to give medications on and on and on. So that potentially can actually provide a real cure. The lab actively gets going in this new direction in 2014. I started thinking about my very close friends in the UK who have a boy with Duchenne muscular dystrophy, who is now a young man. He's talking about Carrie and Daron Rosenfeld and their son, Gabriel. We are very close. Gabriel is not a patient of mine. He is a friend of mine. My parents met him at a conference once and it kind of went from there. He's been around as long as I can remember. Gavriel is of interest, in part because his Duchenne is caused by a mutation where a tiny portion of his genes are duplicated. What if Ronnie and his team can correct the mutation in a small sample of Gavriel's cells? Could they then also fix it in a living organism? Ronnie calls Carrie. And I remember asking her, would you be willing for us to try this in the muscle cells of your son, Gavriel? And she is an incredibly intelligent individual who asked me a thousand questions. And at some point, I didn't have answers anymore for the questions. And I remember her quote saying, all right, I'm going to just send you these cells. And if it all works and we're going to make a movie out of it, I want to be played by Angelina Jolie. Ronnie took some skin cells from my left arm. There's still a mark there. First... Ronnie's team receives and analyzes the skin sample. In 2015, they successfully remove the duplicated genes right from Gavriel's cells. A thrilling achievement. But we're still talking about victory in a Petri dish. Now comes the tricky part. The team is going to recreate Duchenne, along with Gavriel's genetic duplications, inside a young mouse. They're doing this to see if they can inject CRISPR into the mouse to find and cut out genetic duplications. If the team can accomplish this, they can show how to make a living organism healthy again before more serious symptoms of Duchenne appear. That could ultimately lead to the discovery of a new treatment for the disease. 
you really want to know whether that works in a whole body organism. At first, things are working as planned. Creating something like this would usually take a year at least, if not two. And here within a few months, we have this mouse model. We're all excited. It had muscular dystrophy, no dystrophy, and everything we were expecting. But then the team runs into a problem. While they can demonstrate that their mouse displays Duchenne, they can't actually correct anything at the genetic level. We injected the scissors into the mouse with an adeno-associated virus carrying it, and nothing happened. So initially we thought, oh my God, maybe this doesn't work in a mouse. The team keeps trying for weeks, then months, then over a year, but they still can't make the experiment work. The setback is daunting and it's taking a toll. We as scientists, we set a certain amount of expectations for us that this is just gonna work. And when it's so directly related to individual patients and families, in this case, even somebody I know who is so dear to my heart, all the time that passes by, it is a pressure. There's a certain amount of pressure. And I, I remember we, for a long time, we were having regular meetings to just talk about the ethical impact of, of the work we do. And there is as much of a psychological motivation to actually make this happen. The pressure weighs on the team. For two years, they persist. Then, one day in 2017, a graduate student in the lab cracks the case. It turns out that when the team introduced Gavriel's mutated genes into the mouse, by chance, a few parts of the gene got flipped in the process. What it means is a portion of the gene just basically go not from left to right anymore, but now it's from right to left. And by doing it, we broke the gene in a way that we did not plan. So it took us a long time to figure out why the experiment didn't work. I remember the Saturday afternoon when I was at home and my postdoc sent me a picture of successfully removing the duplication in the cells. Finally, there's visual proof showing the mouse's genes are fixed and that normal functioning is restored. The breakthrough is widely celebrated and means Ronnie and his team can develop their findings even further into a potential treatment to help boys with Duchenne. And that was kind of my eureka moment in science. Once again, Gavriel and his parents are top of mind. Ronnie pulls out his phone. I remember I sent them a text saying, I need to talk to you and I need to show you something. And it was the next day when I spoke to the parents on the Sunday. It was, at that point, an unbelievable, exciting moment for all of us. As much as I said before, we were trying to set expectations to be realistic, but at that moment, it was just great. SickKids breakthroughs are only possible with the incredible support of our donors. That's why we're proud to recognize CIBC as the premier sponsor of the SickKids Versus podcast. CIBC has been a champion for SickKids for over 30 years and is the largest corporate supporter of our cancer genetics program. The bank and its team members genuinely care about making a difference and support SickKids through events like CIBC Miracle Day and an active employee giving and volunteering program.
Right now, Ronnie and his team are looking to advance their work by collaborating with an industry partner. They're hoping their breakthrough might one day help prevent Duchenne from devastating the lives of young boys. The proof of concept has been done. We would like to develop this further and see whether they can go into a clinical trial. The team is also exploring how to help older children, like Gavriel. That's why they're initiating gene editing work in more senior mice with Duchenne. We would like to understand until what age it is possible to completely reverse development of the disease. The team has already done research on another type of muscular dystrophy and found that they can start treating early signs of paralysis in mice. It's another major finding and one that motivates the team to keep going. We can actually partially reverse progression of the disease. And so this is my hope that we can accomplish the same for Duchenne. For Gavriel and others with Duchenne, time is of the essence. I've kind of come up with an idea. There's a YouTuber I once saw that did a segment. It was called 30 Things I Like to Do Before I'm 30. And I'm starting to think of those. One of them is skydiving. Reason being is because it's completely out of my comfort zone. And you know, every sinew in your body tells you not to jump out of a plane, which is exactly what I'll be doing. Medically, there is actually nothing holding me back. But the guy, the guy who's struck to me, the instructor is going to have to do the running when we land for me. Gavriel's still working on his list. He's already gone scuba diving with dolphins, and he's an avid horseback rider. Plus, he's got support from Ronnie, whose team is diligently working behind the scenes to buy boys with Duchenne more time. It has been fascinating to even witness over the last few years how this genome technology has moved forward in an unprecedented speed. I mean, you know, what we started thinking about eight, seven years ago is now so much further advanced. This technology is constantly developing and constantly getting better. So I can't even begin to think how much better it's going to be in a few years from now. I'd say there's plenty of hope even though I'm a moody old man, probably. I agree, I'd definitely say there's a lot to look forward to. The future is now, time's ticking. From SickKids Foundation, this is SickKids Versus. Thanks for listening. If you want to support work like this, visit sickkidsfoundation.com slash podcast to donate. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to SickKids Versus. Sick Kids Versus is produced by me, Hannah Bank, Neil Parmar, Jasmine Budak, Colin J. Fleming, and Jillian Savigny. This episode was written by Neil Parmar. Sound design and editing by Quill. Production support by Aisha Barmania. For photos, transcripts, sources, show notes, and lists of donors, as well as staff who help make this breakthrough possible, visit sickkidsfoundation.com slash podcast.